Hey y'all, welcome back to But Not All at Once, the podcast for people whose hair looks fan-freaking-tastic when they are at home with zero places to go and absolutely no one who can experience or perhaps document the wonder that is resting atop your head. It's a crying shame because you know that tomorrow it's going to be a hot disaster as always. I'm your host, Ann Smith, and today we have something a little bit different. In an episode sponsored by Kentwell, we have pretty casual chat. I know it's a bit of a change of pace since the last few episodes have had a bit of a heavier spin to them, but here at But Not All at Once, we give the people what they want. And this week, that is answering a number of listener-submitted questions about friendship as adults, because it isn't for the faint of heart. We go from an experience like college, where you are surrounded by thousands of like-minded and similarly aged people just full up with free time, ready to hang out with you, even if you're not particularly close at any given moment. Flash forward into adulting, where you have more responsibilities, less free time, and more need for emotional support and companionship, and yet friends are fewer and farther between for many of us, and not that easy to make. Sometimes it's a circle of moms on the playground who don't look particularly inviting, Maybe a gal you meet at a networking event that you have introduced yourself to 745 times, but just finds you so forgettable that you're going to have to do it next week too. Whatever the case may be, you submitted your questions and my best friend, Erin Demo and I are going to tackle them. Erin's my first call and I think you'll see why. She is a total compliment to me in that she's wise and calm and measured and all the things I'm not which means that she has a pretty different perspective than I do on friendship in all the best possible ways. If you don't hear your question covered, let me know at but not all at once on Instagram and we'll chat about it next time if I am able to drag her back on the podcast. Let's get to chatting. Okay, so I'm here with Erin Demo, who has known me now for, and I'm trying to run the numbers, but it's probably not a great idea to, <laughs> to do that math. I think it was, it's been like 16 and a half years. Yep. When we met essentially by blind date, someone we both needed a roommate, someone connected us, and then another friend essentially chaperoned our first lunch to make sure that you weren't like a serial killer. I forgot that she I could have been, I could have been a serial killer. Nobody was there to be bodyguard for you. Yeah, but okay. it all worked out as well that ends well. And um, we haven't lived in the same state in 14 years. Right. So we lived in the same state when we lived in the same address. And then after that, different states. So we just figured that we would chat about the perils of being a grown-up and, like, figuring out how in the world you're supposed to have friends, be a friend, heaven forbid, make friends, which is even more awkward in your 30s than it ever was at 12. Absolutely. And then, you know, just see what comes up. So, hello. Hi. Why don't you tell people who you are and what your family looks like and what you do and all the things? Okay. Well, I'm Erin Demo, and I am Anne's best friend. Um, that's that's your job that, title? It's on, like, a business card? Absolutely. That's, mm-hmm. what I, that's something I take very seriously. Mm-hmm. It's a full-time um, job. <laughs> some days it is. <laughs> 
Um, and I live in Atlanta with my husband and our two girls who are in kindergarten and third grade, Catherine and Anne McKamey. And um, I have known Anne, like, like she said, 16 and a half years. Um, we were both, uh, we lived together while we were in graduate school. And I am a genetic counselor in pediatric cardiology at Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. Um, and have been here for a while. Really like that. Do that gig part time. Um, and then the other time I am at home with my kids. So, uh, it's a lot of hats. It's been, it's a lot of hats. It's mm-hmm. a lot of hats, but it's a lot of fun hats. Um, lots of balance. I will tell you that it is eminently helpful to have someone like a best friend who has a totally different skill set than you do just in life in general. Like when I was pregnant to translate all of the brochures that come home, all of the tiny panic attacks, especially with your first child where you're like, what is even happening? And I remember very clearly having a what to expect when you're expecting book in our graduate school house. <laughs> I mean, like, wait, I'm sorry. What, <laughs> what, um, what's happening here? Absolutely. That it's a textbook. And exactly. And, uh, and developmental disabilities. We had a lot of those kinds of textbooks hanging around, but Just um, fun, light reading. Absolutely. A little, you know, little bedtime reading. So And it's interesting because I would say the only time that you have ever really been crazy in the 16 years I've known you has been when you were pregnant. Like you knew too much. You knew just enough to be dangerous. So those nine months were even more anxiety inducing for you because you knew when like one cell folds to two and then all of the things splits and and all of the things, all of the things that the rest of us are just kind of like, I should drink more water. I should take a nap. I shouldn't eat sushi. And exactly. you have a bit more specificity to that. Absolutely. Well, and I think it, you know, my job is, is wonderful. And I, but I think one of the things that it does provide me with is a healthy dose of perspective. So I see children that have congenital heart disease and that have heart failure um, and need lots of kids who need heart transplants and have uh, heart rhythm problems and things like that. And so a lot of those kids, you know, live in hospitals and they, they, see a lot of you see a lot of stuff and you see a lot of families and the stress that it puts things under and um I think that you know when you when you take a step back and realize that you know I'm so lucky to have the two healthy girls that I have who are happy and healthy and have normal hearts and you know all the all the body parts and and things like that it just it's it's good it's a good thing Honestly, when you count the number of organs and systems and vessels and arteries and pieces and parts, it is an absolute miracle any of us are here fully formed and functioning, period, full stop. Absolutely. So 95% of the time it works out beautifully, but exactly. one in a hundred babies is born with a type of heart defect. So it, it can happen. But even that in your job, I've heard you talk about certain heart defects that for you are like good news. Like, congratulations, this is a heart defect, but it's not a big one where the rest of us are like, I'm sorry, did you just say heart defect? Because I'm going to need my smelling salts. Absolutely. So some heart defects don't require as much intervention. Some of them can actually close on their own um, or get get milder as a child grows. Um, but about 50% of the heart defects that, that babies have or children are born with do require some kind of, you know, actual intervention. So like open heart surgery to repair. 
And that's, it's, that's significant. It's a lot. It's, it's so funny because I think that's what makes like a good friendship marriage is having one more panicky person and one more calm person. And just like a marriage, you know, Bradley and I don't ever tend to panic at the same time. Like only one of us is allowed to lose their marbles, right? Like we somehow without talking about it, we just know who has permission to, you know, blow a gasket. You, for the most part, are the one who just doesn't blow a gasket about much, but (laughs) you have such a fact-based perspective. Usually it's you who's very fact-based, and I think that's a coping mechanism. You immediately go to facts. So I call and say, okay, this is what's happening, whether it's an ear infection or, you know, for Mary Brooks, a birth defect. And what I love about you and what I've learned to really enjoy is the worst case scenario. So you said one (laughs) time, it's so good at that, but you said to me one time, okay, the worst case scenario is X. And if I just said that and you're still breathing, like we're golden, it's going to be fine. It's going to be totally fine. Now with Mary Brooks, we were in a tiny dark exam room because they were doing an ultrasound of a seven pound baby. You know, I cannot even imagine how impossibly small what this sweet woman who basically saved her life was looking at. And I remember calling you from that still dark pediatric radiology room. Bradley was off, you know, handling logistics and car seats and moving back. And Mary Brooks was under this like warming blanket. She was still not old enough to like roll. So I'm just chilling, looking at the ceiling. And I called you and I remember saying, okay, she has intestinal malrotation. And then something that sounded like Volvo or something. Yes. <laughs> Which is funny now because I've said the word volvulus about 300,000 times. Absolutely. And I knew you would get me the facts. And somehow, I'm the my thumbs are like the fastest thing this side east of the Mississippi. Um, never Googled. Never looked it up. And it is truly by the grace of God that I never did because that could have just been a disastrous you know, bottomless pit of emotion and possibilities. But I remember letting you look up the facts and you screen them and report them back to me. Absolutely. And I will, and then I will get you the updated facts. And I remember a nurse coming out and being like, great news. Like, you don't even know. We put all of her insides out and they are pinking back up. Like, this is such a big deal. And I remember looking at her like, okay, I guess that's fine. I don't, I don't know. Are we done yet? And I called and told you, and you basically threw a parade in your office with whoever was there. I did. I I didn't feel it. I remember that day. So so it's a good marriage. A lot of feelings. Well, and it's interesting because I come with the facts, but I also come Mm. with like just a little bit different. I can get very emotional about things, but because of my job, I detach from stuff. But then when it's really personal, it's different. And I think that that's the best part about having you as best friend is that you will talk me off of a cliff when I really, it takes a lot to really unnerve me. But when I get there, it's over. It it requires some intervention. (laughs) It requires a lot of intervention, a lot of no, don't do that. Don't, you know, Mm -hmm. don't kill the child. Don't divorce the child. There'll be no strangling. There'll be no strangling today. Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't even name the number of times that you've been like, Hey, look, take a deep breath. Like, you know, take a step back. Like, it's fine. You are doing, you can do hard things. You do right. hard things all the time. 
Or, you know, if I'm like, I need to write an email about being, you know, about this. And you're like, got it. And you I do love to write. Type up anything, anytime. Yes. I'll even send you, you know, scientific papers to edit because I'm like, she does. She may not know what this is about, but she knows how to make the grammar. I can make it I, sound nice. Yes, I can absolutely. make it sound nice. What's, what's fabulous is that I think it's a lot easier to provide really calm, wise, sound advice when it's not your life in the mix. Right. So it's not your feelings, it's not your life. And that, that makes all of it great. Now here is the catch because neither of us have really lived in the same state as the people we are now. Like we're, we're totally different humans than we were when we like sat at Grouch's 16 years ago and we're like, are you a serial killer? No. Are you a serial killer? No. Okay, great. Let's just be roommates and see how this works. Let's since just, we're totally yeah, different people just... since then. Order a Let's lot of the pizza best. hut pizza. <laughs> all we are going to need the breadsticks. Definitely all of the breadsticks. Bread I'm pretty sure that they had our like order memorized and our address. They'd be like, "Oh, oh Bratton Street. It's those girls again." Yeah. To they... be 22 <laughs> with a metabolism that I lamented a slow at 22 again oh, would be man. a magical. Meanwhile, if I ate that many breadsticks now, forget my metabolism. I would be like, I think I might die. <laughs> I think my insides hate me. My body's trying to kill me. I mean, look, if you're somehow 22 and have landed on this podcast, let me just tell you, girl, don't even turn away the breadsticks. I wouldn't even tell you to lean to salad to get your body ready. No. Enjoy it. Soak it up. Life is too short. Get those breadsticks while you can. And one day you will go on vacation and your children won't be there and you'll still wake up at 630 and you'll still lean towards a vegetable side. So just go ahead and get that breadstick and just tell them that Ann sent you because they will probably still remember. I hate who to we tell are. you this, but like part of me really does want a breadstick right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean, how it works. I don't know. I haven't had one in probably, you know, 10 years, but I really think that a pizza hot breadstick sounds pretty Well, delicious. the next time you come to Greenville, we will take you to Sidewall because my children enjoy their breadsticks, which are just like their puffy crust, and they're twisted into shapes that Chapman is convinced are dog bones. Oh, perfect. Makes them less palatable to me, but somehow eminently delicious. Sounds great. To the under 10 set. So just file that away for future reference. Perfect. So we have this great, we figure out adulthood. You know, we have boy problems. We have school problems. We have just, there's so many problems in your early 20s. You don't even know what to do. You can't see straight. For sure. It's just playing whack-a-mole with your problems. My favorite, one of my favorite problems that we learned to solve together, and I knew that we would be best friends, is that we, I remember that first fall, we we're so upset that we were not at Clemson and I went to North Carolina. Oh, God. And then we were at, not at Clemson in North Carolina. I was an 80 pie and Anne and obviously was a Zeta. And we were so upset that we did not know what was going on with Rush. I mean, we were it's devastated. So it's and so I remember hard. our phone in the kitchen was like on the wall still. Like, <laughs> this was not the cell phone. And I remember my friend like calling me and being like, yeah, Rush is going great. I'm like, okay, but what's what is? I need it? the you details. Know? And then I you need and the return I, like, percentages. You and I going and yeah. Oh, and then I need to analyze the data. 
absolutely. But then our way to make it up to ourselves was to go on a massive shopping spree in Charlotte at the Ann Taylor. Good decision. Because, because we were grownups now and we needed, I needed those work, work clothes. <laughs> and they couldn't be from Steinmart or no. TJ Maxx. They needed to be real deal. They were an investment. That was how I referred to them. This is an investment. Oh, absolutely. We the, did which, a lot. To be fair, I did wear investing. them to my first job. Yes. But, perfect. you know, they last still, day. right, do I own them now? I do not. So there is that. I will say. But do we I own anything biggest, from 16 oh, and a half years ago? Uh, I own one pair of shorts from college, like the softy, soft shorts. Okay, fair. That are like, that say William and Mary from a tour that I took my junior year in high school when I was convinced I wanted to go to William and Mary. But then someone mooned us on a college tour. And because I'm secretly an 85-year-old grandmother, I was so horrified that I was like, mm, childhood dream canceled. So So, long story short, yes, that's all I own from that time period. Okay, yeah, I don't have anything, but my goes? husband, but my husband has all of the Mai Tai cocktail t-shirts and the diamond ball <laughs> t-shirts, and he like yeah. rolled downstairs the other day. The girls were like, "Daddy, what does that say on the back of your shirt?" I'm like, "You can't read it, girl. Don't read you, it. Don't read it. Back out of the kitchen. Do not and read go upstairs. that quote that we thought was so amazing about no. you know the best night of your life and the you know no. the best nights of the nights it. you won't I can't. remember. I can't. <laughs> And you use your parents' money to buy that. Y'all are terrible people. And you oh. know what? For some reason, our parents did not think that that was as funny as we did. And now I, I feel, totally get it. <laughs> I feel deeply regretful about that. But, you know, yeah. I'm closer now. I relate more to the parent of a college student than a college student. So yep. um, that changes my perspective a good bit on both the attire at tailgates and the slogans on the back of party shirts, which, by the way, are now purchased for sizes too big. Like, girls are wearing shirts instead of pants. It's just, like, a long shirt and then denim oh, wow. shorts. I we also were... saw that at preschool today, by the way. Oh, I saw someone wearing – I wasn't confident she had pants on. Yeah. Which you do you, but you but are in a Baptist church. do you with church. a pair of shorts on. I mean, do you with a pair of shorts on, you know? I mean, it wouldn't kill you. It really wouldn't. We used to wear – our uniform, especially on Fridays, was 80-pie T-shirt, denim skirt – skirt yes with your back now absolutely and rainbows and we would kill it i still wear rainbows i still Still wear rainbows rainbows. okay i wear many a car line many a car line but the jack rogers i still wear but they are probably different pairs because i i mean if you follow me on instagram you will know that i went to a concert with a bunch of grown-ups whom i really respect and admire and on my way to the bathroom my jack rogers my right one broke so then I'm shuffling around, and then the left one breaks. I believe these are the ones I wore at my wedding reception. It was very sad times. I have like 542 pairs. Why I grabbed this one, I'll never know. But I shuffled around so much that people probably thought that I either had some serious physical infirmity happening or had consumed so much, you know, wine that yeah. I was incapable of lifting my feet off of the ground. So other concert goers at the... St. Paul and the Broken Bones concert. I apologize. And I also apologize for referring to it as the St. John and the Broken Bones concert because I, did, I didn't get the magic. But here I am. But I'm converted. Know, it's funny because now we go to all these cooler concerts because we can actually afford to go to yes. them and not be in the mosh pit. Like Avid Brothers and, you know, all these festivals and stuff. But I feel like such an old woman. 
like oh, showing you are up. we we are I mean, old women. Like I didn't, I wasn't day drinking all day in preparation for said concert. And you might have felt less old if it. you had. Absolutely, and the I remember thing. the whole concert. And I make my sweet husband Uber home 15 minutes before the concert's over. He never gets to hear the last set because I'm always worried about <laughs> traffic. He's like, "Come on, let's live a little." I mean, nope, gotta get that. He's baby like, "What's the point of, of the getting house? in an Uber?" Yeah, it's ten twelve. Michael, I gotta go. <laughs> it's about I'm done. I've checked out for the night. I've turned into a pumpkin. I do think that's true. I remember going to Dave Matthews concerts when I was young enough to be angry that people would drink before his shows. Like, don't you want to absorb this fine, like, just the musicality? You and the have incredible you've gifts. Been loving on Dave Matthews since day, day one, you, lady. Day, day one. one. And day now one. I'm old enough to think that they, like there was a couple that lay down on the ground in front of me at the concert. And I asked Bradley, should I, like, should I ask if they're okay? <laughs> do I, does someone need to intervene? Do we need to do something? Someone legitimately, this is not a joke. Someone walked around and just in case there's small children in the vehicles, we'll say they had like some kind of herbal refreshment that they were offering. Uh-huh. I don't know who gives that mm-hmm. away, but evidently they'd already partaken enough so they offer it to the people to my right who say we're good. They offer it to the people to my left who are like, oh, man, I get drug tested at work. Thanks anyway. And I saw Bradley was like, FYI, you are such a grandma that people won't even <laughs> offer you. They're like secondhand recreational drugs. And I was like, man, you could have just, I mean, I, I grew up with dare not to do drugs, right? Like Nancy Reagan changed the landscape of America. I learned 50 different ways to say no to drugs. I colored pictures. I watched the videos. I was led to believe that there was going to be a lot more saying no to drugs. I have said no to drugs exactly zero times in my life. And not because I'm partaking them, because no one has ever looked at me and offered. Well, I do say no. Absolutely. I say no a lot. No, you can't have more snacks. But our kids. Absolutely. But our kids are learning to say no to cyberbullying. That's the big push that they yeah. gave on the other day. Are you kidding me? Oh. Okay, let's do these questions. Which would require me letting you get on the internet. Okay, so here are our questions from Instagram. Number one, how do you maintain a friendship across hundreds of miles when sweet tea porch drops are not an option? Which I thought was a really good question because it is just really, I mean, it's not really easy. Friendship of any kind at this stage in your life is tricky because you have to be sacrificial with your time and your energy. But how can you take care of someone when, you know, your resources are all directed at the people in your house? So how do you connect when you live that far away? You take it first. Okay. So I would say a couple of ways. One, you just have to be more intentional about it, right? So Mm -hmm. like if I know you're having a bad day or, you know, you're coming home and you have three kids with an ear infection and whatever, I I know I can order you a pizza. Like I can figure that out, you know, or Instacart something to your house, those kinds of things. So that's, I mean, the internet and, you know, all that kind of stuff makes it a lot better. Um, I would say though, my biggest thing is just that, I think you and I both make it a priority to talk to each other on a regular basis. And we are never offended. Yes. At least I'm never offended if it's a 30-second conversation or an hour-long conversation. We talk to each right. other. I would I'm say we end work. many conversations in a hurry. 
Like, okay, absolutely. Good to talk. Absolutely. And, but it's like, it could be on my way to work. It could be on your way to the gym. It could be sitting in car line. It could be emptying the dishwasher. It's all of those little conversations. And I realized that I call and talk to you more than like anybody else. And I think it's, it's, it's a, we just have a continuing conversation either on text or on the phone. And I think that that makes a huge difference. And it also, it's the not getting offended that I think is critical in that like there will be times where, you know, it might be several days and, you know, Mac has a birthday party and then these family are in town and whatever. And then I look up and I'm like, oh, I mentally responded to that text 15 times and I never did it in the real, in the real world. Absolutely. That's fine. Well, it all averages out. Absolutely. And then also knowing that, like, if you need me, you call me two times yes. in a row. And, girl, yes. I'm going to call it's you on. right back. Also, I remember, and it's so crazy because he's about to be 10, but I remember the morning I found out that I was pregnant with Mac, first pregnancy ever. I took this pregnancy test out of, like, caution so I could take tame of flu because my husband had the flu. And it said error. And I was like, well, that's weird. That came in a two pack. By the way, I don't know who can make a pregnancy test say error besides me, but evidently I <laughs> peed the wrong way. So I use the next one and it says positive. And I try to talk to Bradley who has a fever of like 194 and is like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that sounds really good. And I was like, whatever. So I called you and it was before seven. So you answered on the first ring. Like, is it burning? Who, what is the thing? What, someone died? What, what, hey. What's happening? You are not awake right now. Why are you awake and why are you calling me? Yes. And I know that especially if you call at times that are different than normal times, then it's like, we're not playing, we're not playing around. The other thing is, I know that you have two kids. I have four. There's so much scheduling. Like Bradley makes fun of how much you and I schedule. Like, hey, what what, what do you think you're going to do in March? Do you know? Do you have any sense? But there's no other way to make it happen. That being said, when I call and say, my daughter's having emergency surgery, you say, should I come tomorrow or today? Right. Like, full stop. The Absolutely. end. Absolutely. Do you, do you, what's more convenient for you? Both? Should I right. stay? Should I do this? Well, absolutely. I mean, I think it's just, I, I think you and I do a good job of trying to make ourselves each other a priority in as much ways as we can. Because we'll send, I mean... It could be that, oh, I thought of you about something. I'm going to send you this meme or that I, you know, have been doing X, Y, and Z and it's it's interesting or, you know, whatever. I mean, we could just text each other like two words and start laughing. And I think that that really helps our friendship. I think it keeps us, keeps us connected. And so whenever, you know, things come up, we just know we've got each other's backs. A quick break to talk about this week's episode sponsor, Kentwell, a family-owned company right here in Greenville, South Carolina. This Christmas, I'm looking to spend my dollars more intentionally with companies that I believe in, and Kentwell's one of them. All of their jobs are here in America, and on top of that, they make a product that people love. Ask anybody on the PGA Tour. They make a premium merino wool sock. Not the kind your grandmother left you under the tree, the kind that you will want to empty out your sock drawer for. Whether you're looking for a gift for men, women, or children, stocking stuffer for someone you care about, Kentwell.com is going to have the best prices of the season this Black Friday, and this will be a gift that they can enjoy all year round. Take a look and tell them that But Not All at Once sent you. 
So the way I describe you to people is as someone who remembers (laughs) things. So it's not just talking all the time, but actually paying attention, which I think not all of us are great at doing. So like, how did that meeting go last week? What about that chicken soup? Did you like it? Was it that new recipe? Was it good? Did Mac eat it? Did your others, you know, what did, how's May's ear infection? Is it clearing up? That is like paying attention, even if you don't get to talk a whole lot and just having someone who's invested in and knows what's actually happening is a really big deal. It's really nice in your life to have friends near or far, and it's really just totally independent, that want to know how you are. Not necessarily, I mean, yeah, great. I want, of course, I want to know how the kids are. Of course, I love them like my own children. Like, we've talked about that a million times. Like, but it's really nice sometimes to have someone check in and be like, how are, how are you full stop? Like, how are you doing? What's going on in your mind? Right. What's making you happy? What's making you sad? Do you, not just the circumstances of your life, but like in your internal, your thought life, your prayer life, your heart life, like what is weighing you down? And then also to give permission. Like how many times have we given each other permission to take a day off of exercise? I mean, if I get, and, and because I am such a planner and a scheduler and a person who remembers, I like to always be on top of my game. And sometimes my body will say, Hey, you know what, Erin? Exercising for the fifth day in a row is probably not the best decision. So I'll just text you and be like, hey, hold me accountable for not working out today. Tell me that that's okay. And you're like, absolutely. Like, just rest. Like, your body needs that more than any. And so just giving permissions for those little things, too, I think is a really important part of an adult friendship like ours. I think I use this example a lot, but... I think you need to have someone in your life who, and this is what I did. Well, actually you just did it the day we got married. You just took my phone. So like you were just like the Mm -hmm. gatekeeper. Like if someone called, if something happened and the same thing happened when different medical crises arose for like four years, basically continuously, everything just got funneled to you. You didn't live here. I don't have time. I don't have energy. I will give you these responses. You will probably ask me more questions and I won't answer because I don't even know where my phone is, but like you will be the person that people can go to. And that's really helpful to have. So a lot of questions that we're getting are about how do you make that? Like, how do you, it's kind of like a dating relationship. Like you want to skip to the good stuff, but sometimes you just have to go on a first date. You just have to meet someone on a playground or a park. Like how do you even make friends at your kid's school, especially if like me, you're easily intimidated. Like here's someone who's showered today and I just came from the gym and look like a sweaty, hot disaster. How do I do that? So you came to Atlanta where you have no family. You started a whole new life. Granted, you didn't have kids yet, but even, you know, you moved when you did have a child to a different part of town. Like how did you build up a circle of people outside of your little corner of the world? So, I mean, I think for us, it was really lonely at first because, you know, Michael was in residency and so he was gone all the time. Um, I think our church really helped. We had a really great group of people in church. And then I think just eventually we uh, created like a subgroup of a supper club that lasted probably five or six years. And that was that yeah, was really fun. That. that was a great way to get to know people and see each other every other month um, and have like a big social thing that I really look forward to and got to know people more on a deep, deep basis. Um, I would say now, like, 
one of the things I see is that, for instance, we had my daughter's in kindergarten, and I don't really know a lot of the kindergarten parents, but there seems to be a lot of people in my neighborhood that have young, that have kids that are in kindergarten, and I didn't even know about it. Um, and so I volunteered to host, and a lot of people don't have to do this, but volunteered to host um, a parent party for our kindergarten class and one other kindergarten class. And just that volunteering to coordinate and host it, even if it wasn't at my house, which it was, but it, it actually like got me to meet, meet some new people and I have really enjoyed those friendships. And so since then, like one of the other girls has invited like four or five of us over to their house for a play date and dinner one randomly one Saturday night. And I, you know, we got together for a girl's night, just a girl's dinner at like for an hour and a half at a, at a restaurant right around the corner from us last week, because I just had it with parenting every single night and I've been doing it a lot um solo and they expect to eat like absolutely I mean I don't understand it's like I don't understand why skip a meal skip a meal eat some Cheerios so strange put yourself to bed you know (laughs) call it a day but just kind of and it is a little bit anxiety provoking I will say to go in and not know people and not you know see people and there are going to be people that you start to get to know and you're like, yeah, I really like you. Like, I think you're a really nice person, but this, you aren't my person and that's okay. Like that's okay. That's part of it. But expanding your network of friends and people really opens the opportunity for then what about what if their best friend is your new person? Like you don't know that. So I think just Just meet meet people, talk to people and I'm a lot like you in that I will talk to anybody and I, you know, I I have no idea. I have really no idea, but, um, but I think it's so important to just put yourself out there and that's way easier said than done. But even if it's just a like, Hey, my kid has this new friend that she's really kind of obsessed with. Let's have her and her mom over on a Wednesday afternoon for an hour great. And then I met the mom. The mom's really cute. Like, you know, she has an older sister who's our other daughter's age. Like it all starts panning out. And then, you know, and worst case scenario, if it doesn't pan out, it's an hour and we've had, we've had about a hundred of those not pan out. And that is okay. Like either the kids don't get along. Not everyone's compatible. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with you know, doing that, but you just have to realize, like, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Put if you put yourself out there, yeah, you're gonna fail sometimes. But okay, worst case scenario, if you fail and you go out to dinner, you had a good dinner, and the person that's sitting across the table from you is, if they're there and they, you know, and they accepted the invitation, they aren't gonna be mean, they aren't gonna be rude. Like, you know, you just may have different interests, but sometimes that's what makes it the best. You know, like that's what makes right. the best friends um, is the difference. So here are some other questions which kind of lean into those differences. So I know that on your block, it's kind of varied. You've got some moms that work full time, some moms who don't work at all, some moms who are like you, who are kind of a mix. Um, how, how do you balance exclusion and inclusion feeling left out when people, well, let's pause that because I think that's a different oh, discussion for a little yeah. bit later, but then feeling isolated if you're a mom who maybe works when other people don't or isn't around when other people are gathering. And that's also a different animal when you have kids who are involved too. Cause I can handle feeling just about anything if my kids aren't feeling it. But then when you balance in, you know, 
Right. Kids being invited, kids feeling left out. That's a separate animal. Right. So I think this is something that used to bother me a lot is that I have the biggest sense of FOMO, you know, just constant, like what, you know, what do I need to be thinking about? What do I need to be doing? Like, how do I, you know, what's the next thing? And then I realized that like to be, we need to do what's best for our family, period. And that means something different to every single family and every single person. For instance, and it might change in your family from one season absolutely. to the next. I work on Tuesdays and Thursdays. When I get home, a lot of times my neighbors are hanging out. That's awesome. But you know what? Sometimes I go out and I hang out, and the kids are outside, and you know everybody's able to play. But sometimes that's my only time to get you know a, a you know hop on my peloton. And so I'm going to take that opportunity because I know that it'll make me feel really good. And yeah, sometimes my kids will look outside and say, oh, mom, you know, they're up, you know, they're still playing outside at seven o'clock or, you know, oh, well, we're, you know, these people are doing this or these people are doing that. Like it, I think that it's really important to keep in mind that other people gathering, they are not trying to be excluding. They are gathering because that what that is what works for their family. They are playing. They are, you know, hanging out. They are chilling. They are doing whatever. That works for them. And it may not work for you that day. And that's okay. It doesn't mean that you're less of a person. It's not it's personal. It's not personal. And I can say that occasionally. I'm sure that, you know, I, I, it took me a while to come to that conclusion. But it's just... It's one of those things where, but then you look at your, you know, your kids and you're like, hey girls, like you guys really like hanging out with X, Y, and Z who don't, who aren't right here. And so we have to make more of an effort, but we're going to do that on this day when I'm not working and, you know, our family's going to invest in this family relationship or, hey, you know what? We can't play today, but those are some of our very best friends. You know that they're always going to be there. We love them to pieces. They can come and have dinner with us, you know, or hang out, watch football and play in the backyard another day. Or, you know, we're going to be out on Thursday and it'll work great, you know, to play then. So I think just realizing that, like, it's it's not always do it then or not do it at all. And sometimes it's about really prioritizing what's important for you and your family and what's best for your children. Like, my children are much, much better on like like their mom, I mean, they come by it honestly, but much, much better on a <laughs> schedule and on a plan. So they do better when we eat at a decent time. My kindergartner has to be in bed at seven. I mean, she's just exhausted. Like, there's just no other option. Like, she's a disaster from 5.30 on. Like, you know, not fit for public consumption. <laughs> so, you right. know, and, and some, so it, it's just knowing yourself, knowing your family, knowing that, like, and, and that also is so important, um, really comes with having to have a sense of inner peace within yourself and knowing yourself and knowing who you are and what you are. And that is something that's super hard to come by. But when you have friendships like you and I have, it's way easier to figure those things out over time and realize like, yeah, okay, I can't do all of the things, but not all at once, mm-hmm. right? Like we can't do everything. If, at by the way, once. if one more person quotes that to me is like when I'm like telling them like, "Oh, I have the craziest week, and I'm just not doing this great," I'm not, and they're like, "Oh, but not all at once." I'm like, "Oh, you expect me to take my own advice? That's great, Karen. Right. Thanks, Karen. <laughs> That's adorable. I love that. <laughs> you should know that the last thing I do is listen to my. I hear myself talk so much, I just tune yeah. it out. So I really forgot the name of my podcast. Thanks for bringing it. It's all good. 
So all of that to say, the next question is about how you manage um, kids inclusion and making friends kind of, I guess it's sort of two generations at a time. That's a, that's a hairy one. Ooh, that's such a hairy it's one. It's a bit of a pickle. I think that's such a hairy one. I think that um, some of that's going to come intrinsically. Like, you know, hey, my kids really like playing soccer. So I've met some really fun parents at the soccer field. But I'm not – I haven't hung out with, you know – all 15 parents on my older daughter's soccer team. And I haven't hung out with all eight parents on my younger daughter's soccer team. But of those people and getting in those groups and seeing different people and meeting different people, I've actually come out with a number of really good friends from that. And it's, and more like maybe not my best friends, but people that I want to go out to dinner with people that I want to get to know more people that I want to invest in and have relationships with. And all of that just kind of happens when you're, sitting on the side of a soccer field watching a four-year-old run around, you know? Um, Yes. It's a universal Exactly. And so I think that makes it easier, especially when you're in bigger groups. So like soccer or, you know, sports and things like that, because the kids, you'll know pretty quickly if your kids match or not. Right. And then. Well, they kind of let you know. Oh, for sure. Mine are with, with always never without an opinion. That's for sure. Um, but then I think that you spend a lot of time doing the other things. Like uh, we spend a lot of time doing church stuff. And so we feel like that's an important place for us to invest in relationships and friendships. And so, you know, for instance, we, our church is, is an urban church and it's in downtown or midtown Atlanta. And so a lot of the people that we go to church with, our girls don't go to school with and we don't work with and you know, all that kind of stuff is right. so different. So what we did was we decided like last year on a whim to go on a family retreat and we went again this year and it's been a great way to get to know families and the dynamics and how, you know, the families that were more similar to and the families that were less similar to, but kind of understanding the landscape and that's a great way to get to know people too because you're all together and you're all you know in it and then you know doing different church activities becomes a lot a lot of fun because like oh mom is so and so going to be there like you know is you know Campbell going to be there or is da 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 going to be there I'm like yeah absolutely like let's go you know and um and so I think I think seeing your family in groups doing family things makes it easier to figure out how you as parents work and how you as kids. And I don't necessarily think that you have to be best friends with your child's parent, best friend's parent. I think you got to have like a good working relationship. You got to be able to talk to right. each other. You got to be able to plan and you got to trust them if they're going to have your child and things like that. But you don't have to be their best friend and that's totally fine. Like totally fine. Um, as long as you feel like your children are being well taken care of and parented, you know, and, and supervised well and parented well and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's a tricky thing because I think we, um, I mean, and we teach our children this as we should, but there's still a little bit of that kindergarten mentality of like, we're all friends, even in preschool. Like someone walks in like, Oh, our, look what new friend is here. Everyone is friends. Right. right? We're supposed to love everyone, and that is 100% accurate. need to treat you with respect and decency and kindness and love. But time is a limited resource. Right. Like, we, we just, you know, we can't go camping every weekend with every person we've ever met. It's just not no. possible. Well, 
So it's yeah. okay to invest more in some places and not in right. others. I mean, that's just the only way you get to be really close with some Absolutely. people. Well, um, and you also realize that there's seasons, right? So, I mean, there are times when it's going to be easier because of your family schedule and your family dynamic to be able to, you know, go to the beach for spring break with this family or go on fall break and do this or, you know, spend time together in the summer or, you know, whatever, whatever that might be. But every every family, as our kids are into different things and as we have different demands and different responsibilities, whether that's job or school or after school activities or, oh, you know, do you have a nanny? Do you, you know, do you do after school care? Do you do this? Do you do that? Like, you know, church and all these other things that come up, like every, the, the dynamic shift every year way even more than every year, you know, like very often. And so even if you don't have the chance to hang out with the friends that you really want to, like check in with them, text them, just say, Hey, right. I'm thinking about you. Can we get a lunch on the calendar? You know, cause one of my really good friends, we, our kids, because they're boy girl, they don't overlap in activities a lot. And so we don't get to see each other a lot, mm, but we do yeah. do a lot of stuff with school together. And so that helps, but we'll just say, okay, we'll meet once a month for lunch, you know, and catch up. And that's great. Some of the most freeing pieces are when people say, someone messaged me yesterday, like, hey, we said we were going to try to get together in September. That's behind us. Um, could we get something on the calendar in October? And our October is just really bananas. Mm-hmm. And I said, I might be able to do like a quick workday lunch or maybe we could do November. And she just said, Absolutely. I'm here. I love you. That's the most important thing. And it was super freeing. And that was it. There was no guilt. There was no, you said we were going to do this. I mean, it was just, I'm here when you're, when you're free, I'm here. And if you need me, I'm here. And that means everything. Well, and I also have a good friend that I don't see very much, but she just, she texted me at the beginning of the school year. She's like, I know you have a, you know, both the girls are in school now. And just think of me when you have a random availability for anything like I if you that. have random availability just text me even if it's day off she's like I just have a lot more flexibility in my schedule things are calming down a lot more at work like you know and I would just love to see you and I just that just meant so much to me and I did text her the first time we couldn't do it did work out the next time it did and we had a great lunch together and who knows how often it'll work out, but it's just nice to know that that option stands, you know, and I can always say like, Hey, Catherine, do you want to go do this or that or whatever? Which is so freeing. And also just not just having someone who doesn't feel like the bottom of the barrel or the last pick for the team. When you say, Hey, are you free in two hours for lunch? Right. I know it's a long shot, but Sometimes it's nice just to be asked, well, like, hey, I was just thinking of you. And hey, guess what? A lot of times that's not bottom of the barrel. That's actually top of the barrel because <laughs> it's like all I have is, you know, this one hour window. Who do I want to hang out with? Like, it's I'm going to try. Girl. Exactly. It's you. It's you. Like, I'm dying to that. see you, you know? So we had talked before we recorded this episode about kind of the toolbox of friends that everybody needs to have. So... I would like to discuss, I mean, just like in a marriage, there are different pieces we need to have represented. You need to have the friend who is just going to make you feel amazing and beautiful and talented and funny at any given moment. Right. That may not be the friend who's like, girl, stop. You're kidding yourself. You know he's bad for you. Quit. 
We've had this discussion 15 times. We're done here. Those are, those are two different friends. Um, so who else do we need in the mix? Cause we, I think a lot of people are worried that they're having to put all their eggs in one basket and what kind of friend can do all the things. Not many. Man. Um, okay. So it, you should have your cheerleader for sure. Which she talks yep. about. You should have your realist. Mm-hmm. You should definitely have a joker. Somebody who makes you laugh always. And these aren't mutually exclusive. That's people. true. Some of these things can kind of overlap, right? But um, you're not going to get them all in the have same the human. Who, no, this requires multiple people. Um, you need your yes. kind of comforter, like the person who's like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. The emotional one, the one that's like the salve, you know, when you're hurt or you're sad or you're lonely or whatever, like they're like, oh, I love you. And I, you know, different from your cheerleader, but just, you know, that kind of person. And then I think you just need someone who's just straight up honest all the time. And, but you gotta, you gotta know that going in. And I think that that's one of the biggest keys to adult friendships for me is knowing who you're working with, right? So I don't expect mm-hmm. my realist friend to be my biggest cheerleader. I don't expect my comforter to tell me the tell me the brunt truth about something like that's because that's unrealistic. You, if you realize right. who people are and you understand who they are and what they are. I think you can appreciate them more and you can have deeper friendships because you meet them and you may be something totally different to them than you are, than they are to you, but you meet them where they are and then you use each other's, you know, benefits and each other's strengths to make a great friendship. But you know, nobody is perfect. Nobody is 110%, you know, like I, not every one of my friends is the exact same as I am or has the same sense of style or has the same, you know, sense of, of we don't raise our children the same. And I think that's one of the biggest ones that's really hard for moms is like, like that's you know, like we don't raise our kids. We aren't exactly on the same page with kids. Well, that's fine. But I'm, that's not a condemnation. Exactly. It just exactly. is. But you know what? That doesn't mean I still can't be friends with that person and do things with them in friend groups, right. but not necessarily with their children or with their children in, you know, in big groups, not necessarily single. Right. In super right, exactly. I'm sure. not going to go on a five day family vacation with them, but that takes a very <laughs> separate yes, friend in your toolbox. It certainly does. But I think just realizing who people are and what they have to offer, and knowing that going in is a real key to adult friendships because then you can value, you can have a value of that person and appreciate them for the thing that they're really great at because everybody's really good at something. You just have to kind of identify that and then be able to put that in your toolbox and say, okay, of all of these things, like what, you know, what does Anne do for me? Well, most of this. It's a great question. A lot. (laughs) She doesn't cook for you. She's my cheerleader. She's my best friend. She makes me laugh all the time. Like there's a lot of things you do. I can tell a great story, but I will not be, you know. Coming over and helping you serve the world's best holiday dinner. Okay. But that being I said, I think that I don't. First of all, you don't need my help serving great holiday meals. That's that's the key to our great balance. But second of all, um, love covers a multitude of sins. So when you have time with people, 
they know you and they get it and they don't expect you to be all the things no. to all the people all the time. No, and that's okay. It's just not possible. Right. So, I mean, like, I have yeah. one of my good friends that used to live in town and now she doesn't. And she, you know, lives north of Atlanta, which might as well be, like, in Texas. Um, she loves to cook. And so she and I will text each other and be like, hey, I made this great dinner. I think and all my kids ate it. It was awesome. My husband thought it was great. You know, I really liked it. And then a couple days later, we'll text me, like, oh, how did that go? You know, blah, blah, blah. But that's our love language for each other, right, is, like, we love to talk about, like, clothes and style and food. And that's what our friendship – I mean, it's a million other things, too. But, like, sure, that's, but that's our, your shorthand. That's our shorthand connection, you know? And and so I think you just realize that your connection's going to be different with different people. But because I have that connection with her, I have that outlet for my love of cooking all the things, right? So I I can foster that part of myself with that friendship. I can develop it, and I can – then I am thankful for her. Absolutely. Because it will be here. I will say, okay, we got one last question okay. who just came in 30 seconds ago. She said, and I think this is very thought-provoking. Oh, boy. Am I the only one who feels that picking up right where you left off is hurtful and not wonderful? So I think what she's getting at is we all kind of toss it out as a compliment. Like, Aaron and I don't get to see each other often, but we always get to pick up right where we left off. I think that's a compliment, but I think what probably is underneath it for her is we don't pick up right where we left off and that I haven't talked to you in seven years. Right. So. Uh, it's just that it's maybe not the same as when we lived in the same house. Right. So you and I don't ever pick off up where we left off because we don't leave off. Right. right. I mean. Also, I don't. And, and also, I don't remember if we did. Right. I would not be the person to pick up that no, conversation. No, I'm pretty sure that we tell each other the same thing like a hundred times. Yeah. like, oh my gosh, that is the most brilliant thing. Like, I'm so proud of you for that. Bradley's thought. like, she knows that. <laughs> She's already heard it. Michael's like, are you kidding? You told her that last Leave week. Leave me alone. Leave me. Like, okay. It's fine. That's what I'm glad. I mean, yeah. Again, why your I husband. I feel personally attacked. Yes. Why your husband can't be your everything. Period. Because you're, you, yes. because you have and best that's friend. okay. That's fine. Oh my gosh. Yes. I don't think that Michael's ever been more appreciative for a human being than he is for you in a lot of ways. Like, right. and I'm, I'm good with that. Sometimes I'll be like, let me stop this conversation right here. I'm going to go call Aaron. Yeah. And then we'll regroup because I just need to talk to someone who's going to say what I need to hear, which is not, well, what you need to do is. Right. And I, I know you, you can't fight it. that urge. I don't want you to fix it. I just right. want you to listen. <laughs> And I know you want to fix it. That's your job. So, but I will say it was the most telling thing. I got really heartbreaking, unexpected news about someone that we cared very much for last summer. And I was the first and only time in my life, actually, that the floor rose to meet me. Like my knees hit the ground. I didn't know what happened. I just like couldn't use my limbs. It was it was like something out of a movie. It was crazy. And because it didn't have to do with my children, like, you know, when it's my kids, I you just cope, right? You just pop through, you push through, you have all the adrenaline. But this was just, there. I buckled. And Bradley came yeah. over, took my phone from me and read it, read the news. And he, I think, was kind of stealing himself for sort of like the onslaught. And I was like, I'll talk to you in a minute. I have to go talk. I'll, I have to go call Aaron. Like, I'm going to call her. I, ta- I think I probably talked to you for like... 90 seconds. Yep. You did. And just like we, scream cried into the back. phone what had happened. Yep. Over and over, probably every, I was on the phone all day long with different yep. people from different times in my life. 
But I was like, she needs to know this. And Bradley knows that too. Like this, when something happens, this is the person you need to tell. Absolutely. So it sucks, it sucks because you're not like the life insurance beneficiary, but you're the beneficiary of all the crap. That's okay. I'm so that's that. probably I'm terrible for you. No, I'm also the beneficiary of a truly special relationship. So I'm very happy with that. I'll take it. So the question about not, not where you See, left off. See, you do follow the questions, yeah, by the way. You do pick up where we left off. Look at you go. Um, So we don't pick up where we left off. And I think there is something to be said about that adage. Like, there are things that hurt in life. There are things that are sad and hard and good and happy and wonderful. And you don't want to gloss over those things. But I think that sometimes, so with really deep friendships, I, I don't necessarily love the adage if you pick up where you left off because it's not true. I mean, you you continue to work at a relationship. You may not you have going. seen yeah. each other, but that doesn't mean you haven't communicated and continued a friendship. I think that if you right. haven't seen somebody in 10 years and you're like, oh yeah, we just picked up where we left off. Like that must have been, either it was a great friendship then and it could be a great friendship again, but it, it seems like that's awesome that that was easy. That seems to me like it was easy and natural and a great thing, but that's not a deep, deep relationship, right? I mean, at that point, right. it could be again, yeah. and it may have once been, but it's but it's going to take exactly. a minute. And so you can't. I don't feel like you can really transition like into deep relationships and back out of them and in and out. Like that takes time and perseverance and you know friendship to to go through and. I, you know, I, I I kind of agree with her that I think that it, yeah. it would be I think so not too. catty, but kind of catty to say like, oh yeah, we just, you know, where we left off. I'm like, so much has happened in my life in 10 years. Like, you know, right. I've had these babies, I've had great stuff, we've had heartbreak, we've had fertility. I've grown had, up. Yeah, like we've grown into these totally different people. And, it, you know, by saying like, we just picked up where we left off, that doesn't, it means that, oh, great, that's awesome that you guys can still have that connection and you still like each other's personalities right. and all that kind of stuff. And you're kind of starting over. But you're starting over. Right. Right. So. Yeah. I think that's true. And that was very that was very perceptive of her to say that. So maybe the bottom line is, A, as grown-ups in a busy season, we don't expect all that much from our friends. They don't have to be everything. But just checking in. Yes. Just Anything. 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 Postmates, Uber Eats, shipped, pizza delivery, you know. By the way, I heard at an event the other, a marketing event that I was at at Clemson the other week, that Chick-fil-A is developing their own delivery service. Oh, that sounds amazing. Separate from Uber Eats because they want that special, like they're testing it out in different markets. They want that special Chick-fil-A touch on things. That will be the new gold standard. Yes. So, yes. Well. Don't let people fall out of touch just so you can say, well, we pick back up. A text won't kill you. Right. Send eight words. You'll Absolutely. be fine. Or, and it doesn't even have to necessarily be like a monetary gift. The, some of the best things that you ever give me, and this is silly, anybody who's listening, Ann Smith is the best gift giver and most thoughtful gift giver in the entire <laughs> world. And so, one of the things that I appreciate the most, especially during the holidays when it is a complete you-know-what storm, like constantly is the like, oh, hey, guess what? I just ran across this. And I'm getting it for my, this child. Or I got this from my mother-in-law. What do you think? And I'm like, oh, right. yes. Or, 
a little shortcut. Exactly, a shortcut. Uh, you know, or a, oh, yeah, guess what? I picked, you know, do you have a party you need to go to? I picked this up at Trader Joe's and it was a huge hit. Or, you know, hey, mom hack, like, you know, pick this up at Target and do this. But just all those little tiny things that can make life a little bit easier. Yes. And aren't, it's not all about, like, I mean, I love to, I love to send pizza to you. I love to do, you know, all of the things. But it's like, I want them to also understand that, like, it's, it right. doesn't have to be money. It's just a thought yeah. and a friendship. And you're on my mind. Exactly. Like, we're we're not talking all the time, but you're here and you're on my mind. I think that's the biggest piece is just people want to be seen and known and thought Absolutely. about. And so we've never had more opportunities. Like, I, I read Little House with the kids, and I think this poor woman, Ma, oh, if you God, will, moved across the prairie never sees her family again and had like all of the people she grew up with, all of her friends. I mean, you just, you literally do start over and it's not like you can FaceTime your girlfriends. I mean, it's, it's over. So yes, let's take advantage of the technology of 2019 to send a little text or a link to a cool gift that your kid might like. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I think we'll probably end up changing this advice seasonally because a decade ago it would have been really different when I was on bed rest with my first baby trying to, you know, imagine what that car seat that currently held a pumpkin on the way home from right. the Right. Well, and it's going to be, was and gonna in do. 10 years, it's going to be sending our kids off to college. And like, how does, how does taking care? Nope. Rejected, <laughs> rebuked. Yeah, I <laughs> Deflected and turned around. I've told you home college is going to be a thing. It is. It's going to be, it's going to be a thing. And, um, I mean, it'll be awkward that like my kid's going to be smarter than me in a year and a half. So it'll be, it'll make home college. Don't worry. I already feel like we're going to make it happen. (laughs) The key is just making sure they don't know it. So you can be smarter than me all day long, but as long as I can school you something like, Hey, sir, gray camo under armor shorts, do not go with a white polo shirt. Boom, school. Exactly. Look at me. Exactly. I'm a tiny genius. Absolutely. And by tiny, I mean five foot nine grown lady who's you are a genius. You know, 20 something years older than you. So they don't see it, but they will it's one day. Good. It's all good. Well, this was so fun. And I hope that it was um, so fun. That everybody else enjoyed it. I'm sure our I'll rambling. talk to you later. I will talk to I'm you sure. later today. I'll talk to you in like 15 minutes. That's it for today's But Not All at Once. Thanks so much for joining us, y'all. I hope you'll subscribe because we have a lot to talk about this season and I don't want you to miss a single story. If you love what we're doing, would you consider leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts? It would mean the world, like more than a porch drop of a large Chick-fil-A sweet tea with pellet ice. It's a big deal. Come join the conversation at But Not All at Once on Instagram or email me directly at butnotallatonce at gmail.com. As always, I'm Ann Smith and I'll see you right here next week. Bye guys.